Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a former Division I soccer player and student athlete. She is now a licensed psychologist with experience working in the Big 12, Big 10, Patriot League, and the SEC. She's also a provider for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee of Mental Health Registry. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Dr. Blakely Lowe Scott. I'm doing well, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Like I said before, it's warmer weather here after some cold. Yes. So a little sunshine, a little warmth always feels good. Uh, but excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, we were just talking Thanks. about a mutual uh, person we know, former guest uh, as well. So it's always good to have people that know other people. And uh, yes, nice small world. Yeah, I guess to start, you were, you know, a former Division One athlete, student athlete yourself. I'd love to kind of hear, you know, what led you from being a student athlete to doing the work that you do now in psychology and working with a lot of athletes. Sure. So um, back in the day, I was a soccer player. I went to Davidson College and um, played during my time there. And in my mind, that was the end of my sport journey. So I had no... Um, aspirations to continue working in athletics. And I went straight from undergrad to grad school at Texas Tech. And I worked with a supervisor who kind of worked more broadly in the area of depression. Um, so I was just going to go train as a generalist. And then a couple of years into my experiences at Texas Tech, the athletic department didn't have someone in-house yet. Hmm. And so they needed someone to come in and start working with the student athletes. And um, I had another supervisor who knew I had a background in sport and thought I might be a good fit for working with some of the, the athletes there, especially since there's more of a help-seeking stigma typically um, with sure. our student athletes. And so that really just ignited my excitement to get back into working with athletes because there's such like a diverse breadth of experiences working with all kinds of different teams, working at several different levels within a system. Um, it's such a dynamic field. So once I kind of got a taste of that, it's like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is the fit for me. This is where I want to continue to try to make an impact. Love it. Um, you've, uh, besides being a student athlete on your journey, I know you've been on a lot of NCAA campuses, Worked with uh, yes, a few. SEC, Big 10, Big 12. Uh, I know a few others as well. But um, if you had to design a class for student athletes um, that they all had to take at your university of, of your school, um, what would be the core elements that, that you'd want to see athletes be exposed to that's important? That's a great question. And I feel like some universities I've worked at have kind of dabbled in like courses for student athletes, especially for first year students. Um, so I've been asked to kind of um, come in and do some guest speaking for that. But um, thinking about that question, I used to be a TA when I was in grad school and I taught a course on personality psychology. And I'd always leave a few lecture days open for the students to get to pick some topics that interested them. 
right? Give them a little bit of autonomy. And so um, inevitably, one of the things they wanted to pick again and again was more about like the how of happiness or the myths of happiness. And I feel like sometimes in the mental health field, um, we can come a little bit too heavy handed, like look at how many people are struggling with depression, or this is how many of us are touched by things where we're suffering. And well, that's such an important piece, I think, to draw people in, it would be so helpful to work with our young athletes on understanding more about what's going to contribute to my well-being in the long run. Mm. So some of those intentional practices yeah. um, like mindfulness and gratitude and giving them some taste and experiential kind of touch points with some of these things that will set them up and hopefully give them more of a foundation. So as they're going through stress, as they're going through the ridiculous demands of an NCAA schedule, um, they're better equipped to respond to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing uh, in hearing you talk about that, you've had experience in pushing in some of those things in front of kids. I'd love to hear, I think my small experiences in doing so are eye-opening, but what are, what is some of the feedback you see from athletes once you kind of take that approach to gratitude and, and trying to this more of a personal take on it than, than kind of just here's what you got to do? My best mentors have really pushed me to think about like, don't tell the athletes, like show them, right? And so finding ways to create a situation where they're having to do something challenging and to become aware of like, okay, hold on, what is my mind saying to me as this frustrating thing keeps happening and happening and happening or um, giving them an like impossible puzzle to solve, but the person next to them has one that's really easy and they think they're doing the same thing and then kind of teaching some of those responses. I think it's really important to, um, kind of break it down so they can they can feel what it is that we're trying to kind of teach or share with them because I feel like a lot of us psychologists in particular like intellectualize things and get so excited about the heady aspects of like look at what the research says and it's like well so what if I can't apply it on the spot what does this actually mean for me sure. um so I, I like doing that and I really like trying to take practices like mindfulness in particular and kind of ask for people's connotations with that and so many people like picture somebody meditating um, on the top of a mountain. It's like, that's not the only way to do this, right? And, and giving them some other kind of exposure points or, or ways that might feel a little bit more accessible where they can jump in and start somewhere. Love it. Um, I know one of the things in your practice you, you talk about even on your webpage, and I think it's so important. I think even when I was a student athlete, I think reflecting back, um, trying to figure out who I was is just kind of at the, at that age, right. We're all trying to do that. And then, mm -hmm. um, sitting right next to that was the student athlete. This is your identity part. And I think there was that balance and I struggled with that kind of post-career as well, but what are, yes. what are ways that we can kind of, well, we're trying to figure out a lot of things in the world as a teenager and kind of that transition time, you know, find self-awareness, become more understanding of who we are and how we became that way? What are some some key things that student athletes can do to maybe just step back and understand themselves? I, I think the entry point is that last comment you just made, which is you have to step back. And I think our student athletes, um, some, of, some by their choice, but some beyond their choice are so overscheduled that they're going to have to really intentionally create pockets of time to step back and check in or that awareness and that reflection is just not going to happen. And so I think that's why we get to the point where when I have a college student come in and I ask them like Tyler, other than Tyler, the student or Tyler, the athlete, like who is Tyler? 
they look at you and they're like, what do you mean? Right. Um, and so I think, um, that's something hopefully we can pose to our younger athletes before they get to that 18, 19, 20 years old, where they have a sense of who they are outside of sport. Cause as we know, if that makes up your whole identity, um, anything that goes well, you're on cloud nine and anything that doesn't we're rock bottom. And that's just not a way to, to live a healthy, balanced life. So, um, I think the other tricky piece that we're seeing with this younger generation too makes us sound old now, (laughs) but is, um, the ability to constantly just have something that stimulates us going on. So having a phone, having, um, things just to pass the time where we're not bored is it's a lot easier to lose ourselves mindlessly kind of checking out rather than having that time to step back and check in. And so even if we're starting small, starting somewhere like a five minute check-in and asking ourselves, like, where am I at today? And where do I want to be? Even that's so radically different than what most of us are taught to do. Sure. Um, we mentioned kind of before the stigma and working on many different campuses, um, coaches at, at the at different levels you see different mm-hmm. levels of integration of mental skills from very I'm sure you've seen various levels um uh, yes I have but how can coaches and I always like to ask kind of just a simple question if they had you know two hours of practice or maybe it's the 20 hour NCAA week uh how much should they be spending uh what percentage of time should they be spending on mental skills more <laughs> <laughs> Blanket answer more. Yeah. I more. Love it. I love it. Um, I have worked with some absolutely fantastic, um, like aware coaches who are already bought in and wanting to bring these things into their athletes. Um, I've also worked with coaches on the other end of the spectrum that are like, I only get 20 hours. What do you mean? I'm going to give up some of our time to kind of do something like this and just haven't had, it's not malicious, but I think it's a point of not having been exposed or understanding, um, how does this actually impact all of our bottom lines at the end of the day? And that's often, I think a selling point that I try to make for people who are a bit more resistant is not so much. You should be doing this, or this is the way to go, but what, what's, something that could work better with your team and having them make the case for this is not where it needs to be. And then giving them kind of a schematic for like, okay, here's how we start to build in that direction and bringing someone in. And a lot of athletic departments do this, unfortunately, is they bring in a flashy speaker and they set up a big time for everybody to come kind of hear this big talk. And then the speaker leaves and it's like, well, what did we take away from that? And that's not saying that what the content was, was not important, but with mental skills in particular, we've got to have multiple touch points where we're checking in, we're trying something out. We see what works. We see what doesn't just like we're training. It's not like you have a one day preseason and then you're good to go. Um, so I think that's really where we need to get to and saying like, we don't need to carve out hours and hours of time, but you need to have checkpoints throughout the week where we're following up on these concepts and seeing how are we growing? How are we learning? And what do we continue need to do to make things work better? Yeah. I think the old, if we can do a little, a lot instead of having to do a lot, a little. Yes. Yes. Uh, is one way. And I think uh, how, once you kind of show coaches and I think sometimes maybe you have, maybe if anything pops in the head, please share too. Um, that there's a lot of times simple ways we can integrate some mental skills, practice, thought, or 
stepping back kind of moments in mm-hmm. practice that really don't take too much time in your practice, but can really leverage what you're getting out of your athletes at practice. Yes. Does anything kind of come to mind or things that you've done with teams or just simple things that maybe a high school coach could do? Yeah, my mind went a couple of different places. So um, back in the day, I, I got registered to teach yoga and love practicing yoga and teachers or instructors at the beginning of a yoga class will often ask you or invite you to set an intention for your class that day. And I've stolen that again and again and again and repurposed that for working with athletes because I think too often um, our athletes and our coaches can get into this power dynamic where the coach says, here's the practice plan and the athlete just says, okay, I'm going to follow instructions versus the athlete getting into a mindset again of what's working here, what's not, how do I want to continue to push myself? What am I taking away from this training session? And we need coaches to actually encourage the athletes to start to think in that way. So asking them to even, even during like a dynamic warmup or something, like what yeah. is it mentally and check in with yourself that you want to get out of our training session today. It increases that connection, um, the presence being here now. And instead of just saying, I'm going to go through the motions and get to dinner after this practice, um, hopefully the athlete is feeling more bought in and the coach can create that. Right. Um, the other thing I see that I wish coaches would do more of is asking questions to clarify understanding or to get an athlete to process information more deeply. So I see a lot of coaches, unfortunately, um, going so quickly and and processing so quickly that they assume their athletes are thinking the same thing that they are. And there's a lot of missed opportunities, um, for learning on both ends when that happens. So the more coaches can, um, even when watching game tape, like ask an athlete, what was happening here? (laughs) Talk me through this. What do you think could have happened instead? There's there's an opportunity to see like, oh, they weren't being lazy or um, here was the other thing they were considering and it was not the best choice because X, Y, Z, there's a exchange that can happen and a deepening of a relationship that also benefits a lot of things when we go about things in that way. Yeah, uh, I know it's wanted to bring back when you brought in the uh, flashy speaker. Um, and I think I was kind of, you see some parallels between physical performance and mental performance. A lot of times you hear that, well, you know, the coach used to run all the weightlifting and all the training in the off season too. We figured that out isn't, you know, there's better ways. We're yes. moving that direction in mental performance in, in, in some facets, like we talked about coaches. Um, but there still is this sometimes this, um, I call when you bring in the speaker and you bring everyone together, it's like a skills camp, right? You got a one day camp, right? Yeah. And it's great. You learn some new stuff, but everyone takes different stuff. And if you know, there's no follow-up, are they really going to develop those skills? And I think that's where it's, it's not, it's good to bring in people that motivate, inspire and introduce new ideas and things for kids. I think more speakers, the better, but I think there needs to be, uh, I know one of my previous guests said his dream was, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, but I asked him if he gave a magic wand, what would you change about the student athlete experience? And he said that every athlete would have like this personal development journal. That's like, integrated with their coaches and their sports performance. And I was like, man, right. And the kids can see a plan and a track and a growth and wasn't quite sure what that all would entail, but it's a magic wand. So if I gave you the magic wand and you could change something about the student athlete experience, um, what would you like to see? So it's interesting. I'm going to share with you the reaction I had when I heard that idea, which actually I, I wanted to lean back. I was like, Ooh, I don't think I would have liked that as an athlete. And here's why 
um, I think that even with the best coaches, there can be a power dynamic where we are not wanting to grant complete access to who we are as people. And to your point, like the coach running everything back in the day, um, I am talking with some coaches from different programs at universities I, I work with here and they're asking like, well, how do we get the guys to hold each other accountable? And how do we kind of, you know, jump in on them in this, this moment or kind of clarify what was happening? And my response was, you know, there's a lot you can do. And sometimes you need someone on the outside because there's not all of the existing relationship and framework that person has to sort through to be sure. transparent with you. And so I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, that would be, a, that would work it would open up a lot of opportunities. And I can think of a lot of athletes that would be like, oh no, please, I don't want to share that with, with the people there. So it's interesting, again, thinking um, like, how do we continue to build things so the relationships exist and then still give people spaces where they exist outside of that, that um, role. Um, so I gave you my reaction. The original question was like, if we could do something to enrich the student athlete experience, what would that be? Yeah, if I gave you a magic wand, you could change something tomorrow that would be different for student athletes. What would you like to see? They all enroll after they enrolled in your class that we already talked about. That's interesting. Um, my mind wants to go to a lot of different places. The thing that I'm bumping up against that is kind of rattling around in there right now is the function, again, of how overscheduled they are right now. I think we need to find ways for them to be more efficient and to get to exist as people um, a bit better than we do right now. And especially at the higher, higher, I mean, everywhere, I was going to say at the highest levels, the highest competition, but kind of everywhere there's, there's issues with this right now. And so like with that space, I would like to create space where they can intentionally do some of that like self-awareness, self-reflection and getting to exist as a person outside of sport, because I really do feel like um, people will have a more sustainable, enjoyable, meaningful experience. And a lot of times working with athletes, doesn't matter if they're high school or some other pros that I see, like loss of joy in sport is such an issue that goes really? on. And so I, I think that's kind of what pulls me in thinking about how do we make this a more enjoyable, meaningful experience in the long run for people. Yeah. You brought up joy. One of my favorite questions to ask is uh, in the work that you do, uh, what brings you joy? <laughs> Lots of things. I think you can see it. I light up even just talking totally. about this stuff. Most definitely. Um, yes. Yeah, so I am very much oriented for connection. And so um, I really enjoy getting to come into a program, a team, and start to just be available and around enough where people who would have never, ever, ever, ever considered talking to a therapist are like, oh, I'm going to go talk to Dr. Blakely. Like, I'm going to go like pick a brain for a second. And um, I see that a lot. Um, it comes to mind, like there's a men's team that I work with here in, in San Antonio. And um, I go in and every other week we do like a 15, 20 minute skill session prior to practice. And then I just stick around and watch. I chat to people on the sidelines, whatever it may be. And over the course of the last semester and a half, the guys come to find me, ask questions, talk about what's going on in their lives and talk about like how different it is to start to open up and grant access in that way. And that stuff excites me. That brings me joy because it gives them a different experience about being able to be in relation with someone and not have to carry everything themselves. And so just mm -hmm. 
getting to plant some of those seeds. It's like, wow, like so many people don't learn this until late in life. And if we get that to our young people in their teens and their twenties, it's really cool to think about how that could play out over the course of a lifetime. I think you definitely see the joy in your face when we talk about these things. And <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we do get caught up, like you talked about all the depression and the numbers and the challenges and the issues. Um, mm-hmm. But man, there's a lot of times when I meet and have those connection moments with student athletes where they have a grasp of some of these skills where I'm just like, man, I wish I had that when I was your age <laughs> at 20. Oh, yes. And oh, it, yes. it brings me some joy and maybe a tinge of jealousy um, yes. that, you know, they've acquired this earlier in their journey. Um, not to say we don't lose things along our journeys as well, but. Um, yes, it's a process and a practice. Yes. What, uh, when it comes to kind of the, the building things in your journey and the routine, how do you like to coach people up on creating routines or how do you? when the athlete comes to you and they maybe need a routine to feel a greater sense of control or not be so anxious. Uh, what are ways you like to describe how they can create their own own routine that helps them? Um, it's a great question. It makes me think of listening to um, atomic habits recently. And mm-hmm. um, I, I say, listen, I had it on an audio book, but um, I think one of the things that's so important for us to remember is mental skills professionals, psychologists, whatever our role is, is that we can teach somebody like a really interesting new skill. But if the athlete doesn't know, here's where I rehearse it and here's how I practice it, we're doing them a disservice. And so a lot of times when I'm working with athletes, we talk specifically about, okay, well, where in your day would you do this? What would be a good time to use this particular skill? So um, in my mind, it kind of breaks down into like, two main categories. One is like the daily, let me check in with myself. Let me practice some mindful or diaphragmatic breathing. Let me um, do something to ground myself as I transition from school to work or work to practice, whatever. So things like that, that we are doing more regularly and then having routines for like competition or practice and trying to think, how do we apply that in the moment? So um, I really try to get athletes for the daily kind of practice of skills to think about what won't cost me too much to go ahead and like tie this to something else that I do. And an example I give, um, now that I'm in private practice, my schedule is all over the place. I'm the mom of a toddler. She's about to be three. Um, life can be kind of chaotic. So I've had to shift my own routine to where I'm essentially practicing mindful breathing or like four, six ratio breathing when I'm in my car, that's where I do that. And I don't know what time of day it's going to be, but I have to drive between appointments and that's how I can make that work. So being in the car is my cue. I'm like, okay, let me check in and slow down my breathing for a bit. Um, so athletes like that, cause it, it's kind of a silly example, but they're like, oh, okay. It doesn't have to be again. Like I'm right. turning off the lights and carving out this perfect 15 minute window and lighting candles. Yeah. I mean, it sounds nice, but yeah, for sure. life doesn't work that way all the time. And we need these habits to continue rather than like needing the perfect setup to, to build into it. So, um, that's a big piece. And then I really like athletes to build awareness again with a skill about like, what do I need when? So, um, I'll share another anecdote, I guess, from my own personal experience, but helping them understand, like, when do I need to, before competition, like zoom out and not over-focus and burn through all my energy. And then when do I need to start to lock in and what does that look like? So my senior year, my 
roommate, we played the same position. My roommate and I would always watch an episode of Friends, even on the road. It was something that we did that was silly, that was like, okay, we're going to mindlessly check out and not get ready too quickly. And then I don't know, Tyler, about you, but my body felt like it was falling apart when I was 22, which is funny to say now. Um, But I would go do like the hot whirlpool stretch. Like that was all part of like my preparation to start to get into my body, to connect, to be present. And then we'd go through like our game day, like team warm up, right? Um, But I give that example to athletes again, to show that we don't have to be 100% focused the entire day that actually that does us a disservice because we want to be able to hone the ability to zoom in when we need to and zoom out when we don't. Um, so helping athletes again, think about like, do I run anxious? Am I underactivated where I need to get my body up and going? And then how do we start to build a routine that suits your individual needs yeah. um, and go from there? Yeah, I like my wife's a big friends fan. Uh, as well so definitely watched plenty of uh, i got told i one of my teammates told me i reminded him of joey and i didn't know if that was an insult (laughs) back in the day i was like man i feel like i'm not joey but uh, yeah but uh um i did uh, i heard her story recently too i was i forget which player on the patriots was talking about you think of bill belichick like this you know uh, grumpy old man kind of guy and Mm -hmm. um they were talking about one, I think it might've been the season they were undefeated and late in the year on a Saturday night, instead of having team meetings, he just brought in a comedian. He's like, are you guys ready? He goes, this is what I think you need. And the players were like, that's what we just needed to laugh and lighten up and and kind of come back. And I think um, often in sports psychology, when we talk about tools, there's not a lot of a lot about down regulating, right? How do we become less? How do we, you know, there are different ones to get us, hyped up and so to speak, but, um, it's a lot of this down regulation. Where where do you Mm -hmm. see that? Uh, you talked about joy a little bit earlier, but humor and being able to relax and being able to create a culture where, yeah, we're accountable. Like we talked about, but there is a balance. Mm -hmm. How do you, uh, describe like, what's the, what's the best way of creating balance Do the players create balance coaches combined? I, uh, absolutely. It's a combination. Um, I do feel like it works best when coaches trust their players enough to turn over a little bit of that control um, for them to establish their own culture, some of their own kind of game day routines. Um, And I think a a lot of us, a lot, a lot of athletes, whether it's intentional or not create this like playful teasing, like kind of humor laden way of relating to each other to kind of do that, to offset some of the stress, to release some of that in a, of kind of more joyful way. Um, but I think we can do that as individuals or as teams. It's interesting. You talk about so much of what we do is down regulating. Um, I think that's true, but I, whenever I go and work with teams, I ask like, who are the people that tend to be underactivated and who's overactivated? And it's usually a pretty even split. So I, I think one is gets more attention than the other, but, um, for the ones that need to bring themselves up or that are kind of feeling more flat, Um, another way I like to kind of bring in some more of that positive emotion is having them think back to a a performance where they just felt like things were clicking and they were just doing really well. And they picture themselves, like, what were you doing in that game? Like on and off the ball or whatever it may be to be effective. What was the expression on your face? Like, what did, what do you remember feeling like? And having them get back into that headspace, um, 
really can help with that sense of confidence and hear what my strengths are. And then again, tying back to intention, like here's my process when I'm at my best. That's what this looks like. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, at that student athlete age, we're usually getting probably a little deeper in film study, film review practice than we were at our high school level, Yes, Um, which sometimes it can lead to tendencies of focusing on those fix it negatives. Um, I know there's a funny, many funny stories of, I think Manny Ramirez is a baseball player. One of his Mm. teammates was like struggling and he's like, well, what are you watching? And he showed Manny his tape and he's like laughing at I don't know if I can say that, but you're fine. No, and he, and he goes, he just goes, you want to see my tape? And he puts in his tape and it's just double home run, double home run. He's like, it's fun to watch, you know? Yeah. But that player clicked. He was like, man, see yourself having success. And mm-hmm. we get our minds so negative. And I'm definitely more the personality where I need the down regulation. <laughs> probably. Yes. So it's my tendencies. Um, but uh, why is it important that we go back in? I think whether it's visualization or putting in a VHS or dating myself for sure now. Yeah, um, yeah that one really stood out. <laughs> <laughs> right. You popping on your huddle film. I'm sorry. Um but why is it important that we see ourselves have success and remind ourselves of, of where we can be? Yeah, so elite performers um, and high achievers, we tend to be the type of people that really focus on what is it that I need, that I need to improve to keep pushing myself to make gains, to see improvement, whatever it may be. And unfortunately, a lot of us, especially in Western cultures, have come to believe that I have to be very self-critical in order to continue to make process. Like that is how I motivate myself. And research has borne out that that's not actually true. But so many of us hyper-focus on what do I need to fix rather than what am I already doing well and what can I replicate? And we do ourselves such a disservice when we do that. And Um, a question I often ask athletes and and coaches could take this and put it in their toolbox to work with like individual player check-ins. But I ask them like, what percentage of the time are you thinking about things you want to fix? And what percentage of the time are you thinking about what you did well that day? Mm. And a lot of athletes get to this place of 90, 10, 90. I'm, I'm thinking about where I fell short and we wonder why people are not enjoying it or having confidence issues or not feeling certain about like, what is my role on the team? And so that's a big thing um, I really ask players to check in with and then to build intentional practices about how do I acknowledge myself for the small moments, right? Not making the game winning shot, but the movement off the ball that sets someone else up to have like a successful moment. Um, Those are the things that we can look at and attribute them not to luck, not to my teammate kept finding me in good spots today, but what did I do that set me up for that to happen? And I can keep making that happen. Um, we take a lot of confidence, um, clarity, um, basically having a roadmap of what do I want to do in order to set myself up to have an enjoyable, like successful experience. And um, I like the visualization of seeing myself at my best. I like having players actually not just mentally check in, but write down. I don't care if it's in the notes app of your phone or ever, but you can go back through and you start to see trends yeah. of like, here's where I'm killing it. Right. These are the things that I, I can really hold on to right now, especially on days that don't feel great. Right. Um, and then the kicker, Tyler, and, and I work on this a lot with women's teams is women in particular, more so than men, have a hard time of owning their success in front of other people. Mm. 
typically they'll diminish themselves. So they're in that personality psych course I used to teach. We talked about a study where when women were asked to estimate how they thought they would perform on a task, when they could write it down privately, the averages were a lot higher than when they had to say it in front of a group. Interesting. And so that's something else I think unique to women's sports. Um, and again, not across the board, but this is just kind of following the research about where mm -hmm. can we make it part of our culture where we can own what we do and we can come yeah. from a strengths-based approach rather than saying like, oh, here's where I messed up or here's how I need to do better. It's such a different energy that we carry when we can do that as a group. I love that research. It's interesting. And then I love the check-in that you talked about. Um, and I think that's a lot of times we talk about check in more, you hear that check in, the check, check in. And I think, yes, like you said, more, um, <laughs> <laughs> like more. Yes. Um, but little, like, how do we go a little further in understanding who they are, what they're experiencing? And are there any other kind of checking questions that pop into mind that you like coaches or even teammates can use to check in on each other? Yes. Yeah, so, um, this one, I feel like I drew from, you can get inspiration from anywhere, but this was from social media, looking at um, an eval that some teachers would do, even with young kids. And um, I like including some space for, is there anything else you want me to know about you that I don't know already? Mm -hmm. And that's such an interesting one. You get all kinds of things from athletes. I, I've done that in my role. I've had coaches ask that question, um, but it's such an opportunity to like open the door for somebody to show you who they are. Um, it also communicates a willingness and a want to know somebody, right? So I think that can be a really interesting question for a check-in. Um, I was previously married to a football coach and um, a couple of years ago, I helped him even put together an assessment for his um, football athletes doing like a, a, what did we call it? A mental scouting report. So like when you're having a great day in practice, you know, what sets you up for success? If you're having an off day, what's more likely to keep you like from being mentally yeah. present, um, kind of asking them about under and over activation. And, and I had him include that question at the end. And it was fascinating because he came in, this was at Penn state, um, during COVID, right. So didn't get okay. to know the athletes in person sure. it was all, everything was shut down. And so it was really cool, um, to kind of see him get that feedback and to see what athletes wanted to wanted to be like how they wanted to be seen and known essentially yeah yeah I like that I like that question I like those check-ins it's like there's yes. one uh was it uh remind me of one I used to hear used to like used to use uh if you really knew me you'd know blank about me Yes. was another one, just like to get kids. And sometimes they fill that one word and you're like, tell me more. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, which I think is always another great, great one for coaches to simple phrase. Um, yes. Last question. I know you talked, touched on being a, a yoga teacher. I think um, I remember my wife getting me into yoga and you talked about celebrating the small wins and mm -hmm. I felt out of place and making me set an intention and then they told me as an athlete, I should celebrate just being on my mat. And I was like, come on, like get to the gym. <laughs> um, but I, I wish I had these experiences earlier in my life as they opened me up to new things. But what are some things that uh, your yoga instructing and teaching has helped you either kind of connect or teach uh, with athletes from those experiences? It's so funny that you asked that. So I also found yoga after I was done being an athlete <laughs> and I wish I had found it before. Um, I went in like the prototypical athlete being like, this is just going to be a nice stretch. And my heart rate was pounding. I'd never been 
like so tired from being on just a few square feet of space. And so then I was hooked, right? Because it was the physical challenge. And it wasn't till I continued practicing for a while that I started to experience more of the benefits with linking breath to movement, right? So that's such a grounding experience of being in the body. And then not just, I remember them saying like the really experienced yogis are the ones who take breaks when they feel it in the middle of class. And I was like, what? No, I'm pushing through this whole thing. I've got this. Don't worry. And so even um, building mindfulness over time about like, what is happening in my body and where is my body in space? It, It teaches mindfulness of thinking, mindfulness of sensation, so many things that we teach in sports psychology. Um, and even like mindfulness of thoughts. I remember being in a class at one point, Tyler, and um, the teacher called out dancer's pose. And I remember thinking like, I hate this pose and laughing to myself because I was able to catch the thought and being like, wow, that's going to completely color my experience of this. So instead of being right up there and I hate dancer's pose, <laughs> it gave me enough separation to kind of chuckle at myself and then say like, okay, how do I approach this now? Like, how do I get task focused again? And, um, I didn't have that when I was playing soccer, I would have loved to have had more awareness about how my mind impacts my experience of something. And so I use that now I'll even like tie in like crow pose, which is a basic arm balance, but to challenge athletes to do something they haven't done. And again, to experience some frustration, just to have an opportunity to watch, like, what does my mind do in this moment? Um, so yes, I probably sound like a huge Yogi fangirl right now, but that was, there's again, so many tie-ins between, um, presence and, and being mentally there and, um, being able to be mindful that I think translates so well into working with athletes. 